With the Rose Bowl rapidly approaching, it's game preview time. On today's Locked On Utes, we're talking about the keys to the biggest matchups, the biggest storylines, and how it'll all play out with Locked On Nittany Lions. Also, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, enjoy this episode of Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome into this special Locked On Crossover Edition. I'm JT Wistersill of Locked On Utes. And I'm Zach Seiko with Locked On Nittany Lions. And we are here to talk about the exciting Rose Bowl matchup between the Utes and Penn State Nittany Lions. And Zach, I think when I'm just looking at this game just in general right now, it's still crazy to me to think that both these teams are in this position. I think about everything that Utah needed to have happen for them to even make the Pac-12 championship game. Then it's hard to beat a good team twice. They're able to beat USC, Penn State not even making their conference championship and find themselves in this position and being a really good team on the season. It's just those two losses. You ran into two college football playoff teams, and now both these teams have an awesome opportunity to end their season with one of the pinnacles of college sports in a Rose Bowl championship. Well, I mean, it truly is kind of the the appetizer for the college football playoff championship since it's the last official Rose Bowl uh, and everything like that since we're getting the extensive college football playoff in a couple of years here. So uh, I... I'm really excited for it. Penn State and Utah have never played each other. These two teams have at least similar philosophies for this year, right? That they're both the, you know, they want to come out and they want they want to punch you. They want to land the first punch. They want to play physical. They got ground games to go along with it. And regardless of what people think about, at least in my my corner, Sean Clifford, these are both very tough and very cerebral quarterbacks. So I, I think at the base, and then you get two teams that uh, both love the blitz. Uh, Utah yeah. loves the blitz and Penn State loves the blitz. Yeah, it's so true. And I think with both these teams, the interesting thing is it's like, well, how good are these two teams? Because you look at Penn State, we mentioned the two losses in their two best games. If you look at Utah, they're a three-loss conference champion. I think when talking about the Utes, I feel like they're a team that got so much better over the course of the season. I look back on their first loss against Florida, prime time, all the eyes on them, and they just come up so short with all those missed tackles in that game. Then you run into a buzzsaw against UCLA middle of the season. That was one where the Bruins just hadn't gotten the Utes in a while. DTR absolutely balled out in that one. Utah still trying to figure some things out at that point. But then the real interesting loss for this Utah team was the Oregon game, one where the defense held the Oregon offense to just three points in the second half. But Utah's offense was just abysmal. Cam rising, probably the worst game of his career. I would say he threw three interceptions in that one. But yeah. then everything really came together for them in the Pac-12 championship. This is a team now, their second year winning the Pac-12 conference. And I really do feel like this team is playing their best football at the right time now. Now, of course, the loss of Clark Phillips really hurts, as does the loss of Dalton Kincaid. But that's one similarity these two teams have, is they're both without their top pass catcher and their top defensive back. Parker Washington, uh, at least on Penn State side, right? Uh, Parker Washington was never going to be available, uh, even if he didn't opt out for the the NFL draft. Like he was injured, and uh, we we know that even without James Franklin specifically saying that, because he I don't know if Kyle Whittingham does this, but James Franklin likes to hide all the injuries out of respect for his oh, yeah. team, and that's fine. Yes, but uh, 
We hate that in the media, trying to guess. Uh, it, it's like playing Where's Waldo when somebody misses the uh, 20 minutes of uh, media availability for practice. Uh, and then Parker Washington uh, wasn't around. He addressed it in the press conference. And, you know, here, here we are. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. obviously makes a lot of sense, like Clark Phillips. I think both those guys, <laughs> they can honestly be both in the top 15 uh, for next yes. year's draft. That's uh, they, they take away a side of the field. And I know that... Clark Phillips had more interceptions. Uh, he had six, right? Yes, six interceptions, yes. Yeah, he had six interceptions. He actually made a lot of tackles for somebody that, you know, wasn't thrown the ball that way to begin with. But Joey Porter Jr., even though he didn't have any interceptions, he, I think, led the, he led the league in pass, passes defended, right? Yeah, um, him and Yeah, uh, he, he and uh, Kalen King. You know, Kalen King's playing, but Joey Porter Jr. So, yeah, you're missing. I think the biggest impact are the two two guys in the secondary because not only are they great in pass coverage, they're just great all around players that aren't afraid to come up in, in the run. So I, I like that they kind of cancel each other out here uh, with uh, opting out. Uh, but in the case, Dalton Kincaid, I, I will admit it was a little more, a lot more effective uh, given the nature of Utah's offense and uh, just more effective simply put than Parker Washington. Um, whether that was because over time Penn State became more of a run first team as the freshman running backs grew up, Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen and Parker Washington just wasn't. I don't think people understand fully that Parker Washington isn't by nature a number one receiver because he's in the slot. Um, even though he was Penn State's technically best pass catcher, I think Brenton Strange, if he heard me say that, would argue a little bit um, or at least, you know, have fun with it about Parker Washington. But in terms of receivers, it was definitely Parker Washington was the most talented, even though he wasn't the number one. And I, and I know you're following me on that. No, I absolutely get what you're saying. I think the interesting thing, too, is you mentioned how it doesn't feel like a massive loss being without Parker Washington still hurts, but it's not something that you can't overcome. That's how I think it look, Dalton Kincaid is a huge loss for this Utah offense, but he was the catalyst to him and Cam were really the catalyst of the first win against USC, right? Like Dalton had one of the greatest performances we've seen from a tight end in basically college, one of the 10 best performances we've seen from a tight end in college football history in that win against USC the first time around. But in the second one, he was more just a role, he was a role player that way. He helped out, he converted the chains on some third downs. You could tell USC came in there game planning to stop him. And look, not having him out there in some ways helps the Nittany Lions because you don't have to game plan specifically for him. But yeah. we did see in that Pac-12 championship game, Cam do a good job spreading the wealth around. Guys like Money Parks, Jalen Dixon playing some of their best football. Thomas Yasmin really coming on strongly. It's amazing. This Utah team came into the season with the best tight end duo in the country, I would argue. I think a lot of other people would point to a couple other ones. But you look at what those guys have done over their careers. And either way, now they're down to the third guy, and he's producing too. So there are weapons on this Utah yeah. team. And I mentioned that I feel like this Utah team is playing some of their best football right now, especially on the defensive side of the ball. How do you feel like this Penn State team's fair and going? into this game if you're asking me uh specifically about the offense or the defense yeah, but just overall as a team yeah as a team and you know we were we were talking a little bit off script beforehand about uh, who was the ideal matchup for penn state uh at this point in time because they didn't play in a conference championship game they they lost their big ones to michigan uh, and ohio state but uh, they beat everybody else and they beat them all convincingly. So they're kind of, it, I think it's the same thing with, at least for me, I think Utah and Penn state are in that same boat because it's like, well, why is a three loss team, uh, you know, in the top 10, why uh, Penn state, why doesn't Penn state doesn't belong here. Their best wins were Purdue and Auburn and Purdue was eight and four and made it in because the big 10 West sucked. And, uh, <laughs> 
And Auburn just had a, a I hope I hope Zach uh, across on Locked On Auburn gets to hear a portion of this. Uh, they they were bad, <laughs> and and it was really disappointing. So those games you can't you can't predict that, right? Um, you expected Purdue to be maybe slightly better. They did win the Big Ten West, uh, and you but you expected Auburn to be an eight and four, maybe a nine and three team, and everything just fell apart because Brian Harson doesn't know how to coach football anymore. Um, so this this team coming in, I can say this: uh, it, I, I'm not as in depth as some other people are. I, I'm not afraid to admit that as some being closer to the team and being around the team. I work, JT. I work with people that you know call call the games. You know they're they're on the broadcast team and and go to every single practice and they know the ins and outs of this team. And they've told, they've said this publicly and with confidence that this Penn State team is extremely motivated to prove just that, that they belong in the top 10 conversation, that Ohio State and Michigan are, are not that much further ahead. Uh, the, the distance has been closed. This was just a one-time thing, and you'll see that more so. So this is an opportunity to prove against a even caliber opponent uh, that they belong and that they are one of the better teams in the country, even though they didn't have many other chances to prove it, or at least people gave them credit for. I think they proved it throughout the season by just squashing everybody they played. But now you you can put some more respect on Utah as opposed to Indiana and, and Rutgers and Northwestern. And I will say in defense of Penn State, I mean, I think people take for granted how hard it is to avoid those missteps against inferior opponents. Every single season, we see a top-ranked team go down to someone they should have beaten. And that is a credit yeah. to Penn State that they were able to avoid those stumbles and the credit of the program that James Franklin has built. That's another great thing about this game is you get James Franklin and Kyle Whittingham, two of the coaches I feel like are some of the most respected in the college football landscape, both with a great opportunity playing in the Rose Bowl. And it's going to be fascinating to see how it all plays out. We're going to come back in a second and break this matchup down a little bit more in depth and talk about the specific matchups that they are going to define this one. But first, we want to talk to you guys about a message from our friends at the National Highway Traffic State association it can happen so easily you're out with a few friends or co-workers you're putting back a few drinks a few becomes a few too many it's time to go and for a moment you think of calling for a ride now nah, you're a good driver you live nearby you can make it home okay what are the odds you'll get pulled over even so what's the worst that could happen you lose your license you lose your job you total your car you could kill someone it only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride drive sober or get pulled over so, Zach, I think one of the things that really excites me when talking about this game is the quarterback matchup between Cam Rising and then, of course, Sean Clifford for Penn State. And I really do believe this is one of those matchups where whoever is the best quarterback on the field this day is going to be the lead their team to a victory. I think there's some times you can overcome if your quarterback isn't up to standard. I don't feel like this is one of those cases. I feel like these are both two really good defenses playing really good football right now. And I really do believe whatever quarterback is sharper, their team is going to be able to emerge victorious. I think uh, Sean Clifford and Cam Rising. Uh, that just for me, that isn't that isn't it. I, but I agree with you. Like that's just not that's just not my overall key matchup. I think it starts in the trenches here, specifically uh, Penn State's offensive line versus Utah's defensive line. Um, just you know, as the conversation ramps up a little bit and you start to dig deeper, dig deeper, and, and you realize, you know. So correct me if I'm wrong, because you're the, the you're you're the Utah expert. Uh, so if I'm speaking out of turn here, but. Utah's defensive line isn't as good as people think they are. Um, this is a blitz happy team more so yes. because they need to bail out the front four. And it's like, okay, everyone's, I 
that's that's what the comment section's for, right? To continue the conversation and debate it. So, uh, you know, all the all your Utah friends are are, are probably going to light me up in the comment section. But well, you know, USC and look at what they did. And they had what eight that sacks in Blitzes. that game. I was with blitzes and a lot of things. And Caleb Williams getting hurt, and Utah mm-hmm. really felt like they smelled blood in the water. So they got really creative with it. Yeah, you, you watch the first game. Utah rushes four. Caleb Williams eats them alive. They got creative yeah. with it. This is not a team that had a dominant pass rusher on the season. I think their best pass rusher has been an off-ball linebacker all season that they should have used off the edge a lot more. He leads them with seven sacks, and he hasn't gotten nearly as many opportunities as the other guys. So, no, this is not a team that's at, that can really get home rushing four. And I think that they're going to blitz a lot in these situations. Now, the guys have gotten better. If you're talking about some of the Gabe Reeds, Samote Peppa's a surgence has been huge for this group. Mm-hmm. Junior Tafuna, Aliki Vaimaki, what they provide in rung support is strong. I think this Utah team does a good job of stopping the run, especially as the season's kind of gone on. But when it comes to getting after the quarterback with just four, this is not one of the elite teams in college football at that. And that's where I think they'll struggle and why they've brought so many blitzes this season in order to get home. Because it's been their most effective way to get after the quarterback and just get off the field. And, and that's what the difference is for me here is, is just keeping an eye on that matchup because Penn State's offensive line is supposed to be fully healthy. Um, whether that's now we could be splitting hairs here. I think Bryce Effner and Caden Wallace are comparable at whoever lines up at right tackle, but their center, Juice Scruggs, is playing. Sal Wormley is supposed to be 100% at right guard. Uh, Hunter Norzad's going to slide in at left guard, uh, even though Landon Tangwell's out. But I think they're comparable in terms of when they've started. And then you have Olu Fashnubak, who is miles ahead of the rest of the group uh, as the best offensive lineman, and he's going to protect the blind side of Sean Clifford. So I, I think that's an advantage for Penn State. And then that just allows Sean Clifford because he's okay against pressure. And when I say that, I mean he, he handles it well. He doesn't get flustered. He's able to take the hit, but at least in years past, I feel like he's been better at escaping the pocket. Um, I think they've just dialed that back because they've changed the philosophy of the offense. He doesn't run as much. I mean, if you can believe this, JT, Sean Clifford in 2019 ran for 400 plus yards. Uh, this year, he's closer to 150. That, that that shows a huge difference in the way that they use him. But he does have five rushing touchdowns to his credit. So they're more strategic with it rather than just like, all right, Sean, you know, just go out there and run and be physical and whatever happens, happens. That's not the case. They're a little more uh, strategic. But I think that Penn State's running game is going to be at full strength because now you could also get Kevon Lee back and have a three running back rotation of guys that are all capable of starting, Katron Allen and Nicholas Singleton, of course. Now Kevon Lee's back in the fold, so you're always going to have a fresh set of legs out there. You're going to have your best offensive line unit, uh, and all three tight ends are going to be healthy. And Penn State has shown what they've done is, because Parker Washington takes a lot of this away by being off the field. Like He opens up the offense so much more than people understand. So him not being the number one target, but he's also, he's the number one distraction maybe in some sort of sense um, sure. where he, he allows Penn state's offense to expand the field horizontally because so much attention has to be paid to him in the middle. Well, now that's gone, right? So the safeties, you gotta, you gotta maybe put a linebacker at least to bracket him in some sort of sense. And now Utah doesn't have to do that, but uh, Penn state's offensive line uh, getting the initial push, and then Utah's going to bring extra backers in or some maybe a safety down into the box. And then here's what I'm expecting is that Penn State's going to use the play action and then have the tight ends over the middle up the seam. And I, I think it's going to be very difficult, especially with all three of them, Brenton Strange, Theo Johnson, and Tyler Warren. So 
How would Utah try to handle that? Or have, have they had any success against opposing tight ends this year? Or that not? we haven't really seen that? They haven't faced a ton of dominant tight ends in the Pac-12 really on the season overall. But in general, in terms of play action, look, this is a Utah defense that got gashed kind of early on and in a lot of stretches of the season now as the season's worn on. Games like against their performance against Oregon, a lot of the adjustments they made against USC and this, Caleb Williams was still able to move the ball even when he was hurt because, hey, he's the Heisman winner. You're going to be able to do those things yeah. in that regard. But I do feel like this is a Utah defense that, as I mentioned earlier, is playing better football right now. And I don't think they're going to get gashed necessarily by those things. But it is going to be interesting to see how well they can be run on because this is not a team that really anyone has been able to run on in a, in a long time. I think Oregon State had some success early on in the season, but gosh, that was, I mean, that was back in early October, basically, which is amazing yeah. about college football. The season, just in general, obviously, is that we're talking about games in October that matter all the way in January after all this time off. So I, I do feel like it's going to be a fun matchup. And I love that you they pointed at the trenches because look, I'm a former offensive lineman. So when I played in high school, so I yeah. do believe games are won and lost in the trenches. It's so important just when you can give your quarterback time, when you can move the ball effectively, set up a strong rushing attack. It's what every great team really wants to do. It feels like is they want to be a dominant rushing team because they know that opens up so many things when you need more guys in to pack the box. So that's going to be something that's interesting for Utah. If they do have to reckon with, with this Penn state team. And I feel like it's going to be a fun challenge for them. Guys like Cole Bishop, you want to Utah safety who's played in the box a ton this season has done a really good job when he's been called upon to make those stops and capitalize on opportunities to make plays. And I'm, I'm excited to see if this Utah front seven can respond and have a good game. They were much maligned early in the season. They've gotten a lot better as it's gone on and they've kind of figured out a plan how to get after the quarterback too. And I look at a guy in cam rising too, because you mentioned earlier, just how Sean Clifford, you know, uh, 400 rushing yards all the way back then, but now more in check mm -hmm. under 200. Cam has rushed for 400 yards this season. If it wasn't for an injury sustained against USC, I really that would believe that would be over 600 yards. The quarterback rushing game is one of the things that every time Utah's in a short yard situation where they got to have it, it was what they were turning to. And then when Cam got hurt, they went away from it a little bit. They got back to it in some of their bigger games, but I expect it to be a big part of part of this game plan going in. And I think it's one of those things that is an extra advantage when you have a mobile quarterback and a tough quarter. Cam's a big guy. He is not easy to sack and bring down. Yeah. That's part of the reason he hasn't been sacked so many times. This is a Utah offensive line that early on in the season, they were doing a good job in pass protection, I'd say, but it was also one of those things where Utah was getting the ball out quick. You had guys playing and adjusting okay. to new positions too. There were a lot of moving factors there that worked in, but one of the guys in Satawa Laumea, who was a right guard last year that kicked him out to right tackles, he's really settled in nicely on the right side in pass protection. And the biggest reason it felt like they made that move out there was because he's such a dominant run blocker. So I think what's going to be interesting is in those short yardage situations, because third down is look, it's the most important down. And both these teams are going to be facing it a few times because I think both these defenses, I'm also going to say this, this is going to be a much different Rose bowl than it was last year. Last year, you had oh, yeah. Smith yeah. Jake Buss setting records, CJ Stroud setting records. I expect this one to be a much more of a grinded out grit, physical fighting game. And I think it's going to be fun to see in that fourth and short moment where maybe Utah needs wants to get a touchdown here and Cam Rising gets the ball and they're going to use the running back as basically an extra lead blocker, whether that's Jaquindon Jackson, Makai Bernard, whoever it is, if Penn State's going to get the stop. And I just think the physicality in this game is going to be one of the things that is so much fun, Zach. I want to take a moment to tell you guys about the sponsor of this episode in UCCU. Guys, UCCU is here to offer a 15-month savings certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.00%. Plus, you can jump up to an even higher rate of return anytime during the life of your certificate. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but as you guys know, those interest rates and those inflation rates are both on the rise if we hadn't noticed. Well, here's some good news. UCCU can help you use this current rise in rates to your advantage for a limited time. UCCU is offering a 15-month savings certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.00%. What 
what's a savings certificate? Is that like a savings account? A savings certificate is similar to a savings account. Both are great ways to earn a safe return on your money over time. But here's the difference. Savings accounts typically come with unlimited deposits and withdrawals. But a savings certificate, you just make one deposit, then let your money grow and grow and grow with a fixed rate of return that's much higher than a standard savings account. How much higher? Let's just say a lot higher. So make sure you guys head over to a UCCU branch today or visit UCCU.com to learn more and get a savings certificate today. They have a variety of terms and options to match your specific needs. And once again, it's a 15-month savings certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.00%. Visit UCCU.com to learn more. UCCU, love where you bank. Yeah, that's definitely the case. If Penn State's going to have any success defensively, it's going to be get pressure on Cam Rising because I, I watch specifically that Oregon game. Uh, you know, and I'm looking at this from the Penn State perspective, the outsider perspective. So uh, 20 to 17, you know, and you brought it up. That was probably Cam Rising's worst performance of his oh. career, uh, even though Oregon, I don't think Oregon registered a sack in that game. But what yeah, they yeah. did do was apply pressure. Yes, they applied pressure. They got in his face and they kept him off balance. Now, I did have somebody in the comments say, well, Cam Rising was hurt. Uh, he wasn't himself uh, yes. and partially true. I mean, so, so how, yeah. So how true is that? It like, I believe it. I know that he was hurt. He basically checked himself out of the Washington state game mm -hmm. because yes. it was that serious. So he, cause he's not a quitter anytime that he, you know, steps out, you know, it's serious. So um, was that what was really holding them back or did Oregon just dial up the right game plan for Utah? Because that's say if Penn state's watching any film, it, it's that Oregon game. Yeah, I think yeah, they did. Oregon did a really good job creating pressure. You look at one of Cam's interceptions, he's just locked on to Dalton. And that's where the one thing we're not having Dalton in this game is I don't think Cam, look, Devon Vele may be good to go. His health status was up in the air the last time. He only returned punts in the Pac-12 championship game. He wasn't able to go as a receiver. And even without him, Utah was able to produce. But Devon would be the guy he maybe locks in on sometime. But for the most of the season, it's been Dalton. And that's how a lot of his interceptions have come are trying to force balls to Dalton when they're not there, throwing it into double coverage sometimes because it's just yeah. like, oh, it's Dalton. He'll make a play. And without Dalton, I don't think that'll be as much of an issue. And yes, Cam was hurt. But I also say this, I was not like, man, he's 50% out there. Like Bo Nix was more hurt in the Oregon game than Cam Rising was. Cam Rising was 80%, okay. it looks to be, because Cam's still making a couple plays out there too. And look, Oregon just did a lot of things defensively too that really challenged Utah in terms of creating that pressure and getting home a couple of those times throughout the game too. And that's something that the Utah offensive line, they, they've done a good job protecting Cam on the season. But there's been one thing that's really plagued Utah, I'll say really quick, is they have had oh my gosh, if they had slow starts all season long and they've had to make up for them. Look at even the Pac-12 championship game. They march all the way down the field and have to settle for a field goal. And then it literally takes them two more drives after that to shake it off. That's what led to them getting a 17-3 to hole. I don't think they can afford that kind of a start against Penn State. Although I also said they couldn't do that against USC and they keep finding a way to shake off these slow starts somehow. It's really incredible. But I do think for this Utah team, I really think it comes down to protecting Cam Rising. And I will say this as well, because you asked about Cam's health. I think Cam for this game is above 90%. I think he's 95 to 100. He's had all this time off. You know he hasn't been getting hit in practice. He looked at, she looked sharp in the Rose Bowl game. So, I mean, the Pac-12 yeah. championship game. So, I think he's going to be good. I think the other thing I'm excited about for Cam is, is is another great opportunity for him. He was fantastic in the Rose Bowl last year. I mean, he was going up and down with that Ohio State offense until he got hurt in that injury. And I think I'll ask yeah. you this too. If, let's say, Penn State does struggle to run the ball a little bit and this game kind of falls on Sean Clifford, let's say Utah builds a seven-point lead, do you have faith in him to get it done for the Nittany Lions? Uh, it, it really depends because they, so they are going to need the ground game. Uh, if the ground game is totally absentee, 
uh, in this one. Uh, that's going to be tough because Penn State, uh, because of the loss of Parker Washington, uh, Mitchell Tinsley and Keandre Lambert-Smith and Trey Wallace, whoever they're going to line up out there at wide receiver, um, they haven't been able to pick up all that much slack. That's why you've seen Penn State go to, if you've watched the Penn State film, and a lot of Nittany Lions obviously have, but to, to explain it to anybody for Utah, they've gone to two tight end. They've gone to a lot of 12 personnel. They go to this diamond formation where you're going to see Brenton Strange uh, and Tyler Warren or Theo Johnson basically line up as two fullbacks to the backside of the hips of Sean Clifford. And then it's a pistol diamond formation. If you can kind of picture that JT mm-hmm. um, and then it'll either be Singleton or it'll be Allen, or in this case, Kevon Lee as well, even though Singleton and Allen will uh, get a majority of the run and then Tinsley and whoever else, I think Keandre Lambert Smith, since they'll, they'll be 100% uh, will be those guys, but it's been a power run formation and they're going to work play action out of it. And uh, they'll, they'll go line up guys uh, on the line of scrimmage. They'll go, a uh, single setback. Uh, they won't necessarily go eye formation, but they'll go offset out of the shotgun instead of the two tight ends. They'll bring up Brenton Strange even with Sean Clifford and then have Singleton behind Clifford. So it's this, they've modified it. It's not this traditional spread offense with three wide receivers. They've gone 12 personnel, two tight end, three tight end, and a running back and just go power O. And it's just helped so much. It just takes all that pressure of Sean Clifford. He's not running for his life. Penn State can be more methodical. And that's why they were so much better this year because that those two freshmen, Singleton and Allen, allowed them to do things they couldn't do last year, and that was close out games. They were leading Michigan. They could have knocked Michigan out of the college football playoff by beating them in Beaver Stadium. And why couldn't they? Because they couldn't close it out. They were forced into three and outs, and they had to punt the football back, and then Michigan had the last laugh. That was the difference last year. So Penn State hypothetically knocks out number two seed Michigan if they have any sort of ground game last year. Now they have that. So uh, Penn State's intention is to score quickly score and get ahead by at least two scores and then play with the sit on the lead because they have their defense. And that's when Manny Diaz can dial up the blitzes and then whoever it is, it doesn't matter if it's Utah and cam rising or a Northwestern team or a Maryland team, they want to get the lead because then that forces you into passing obvious passing situations. And then Manny Diaz can say, we're going fire blitzes. We're going full house. We're going whatever to get after and get in the face. And yeah, give or take, it's going to work sometimes. But that's why that Auburn game was such a blowout because Auburn wasn't a pass first team um, because their quarterbacks were bad. (laughs) Um, But that's, that's Penn State's game plan at the end of the day. Yeah, and I think the last matchup we really need to hit on more is just talking about this Utah offensive line against the Penn State defensive line. Do you feel like this is a group that's going to be able to stand up Utah in the running game and not allow them to even get that push to the second level that Utah is going to be facing a lot of second and longs? And I'll even add, too, just stretching outside the the trenches, too. There is no Dalton Kincaid, and there's no Joey Porter Jr., but it's still a really good secondary for Penn State. How do you feel like the Nittany Lions are going to be able to stand up defensively to a Utah offense that feels like they really did a good job finding their rhythm and finding the best version of themselves in the Pac-12 championship game? Well, teams that run the ball well and just particularly Michigan um, beat up on Penn State. If Utah's watching any tape, they're going to watch the Michigan game because Penn State was right there. Even though the score ended up being double digits against Ohio State, um, that game was a lot closer than the score had had shown. Uh, Michigan is the game you want to look at, um, and that offensive line just just beat up on them. So Penn State's got to find a way to overcome that. 
Um, Utah goes a lot of two tight ends. Those guys are just freak athletes, so they can seal the edge and allow whether it's Bernard or Jackson get to the outside. I'm glad Tavion Thomas isn't playing because Tavion Thomas is a big back, <laughs> and yeah. I and I don't I don't want him out there um, with with a wide open lane uh, ready to run somebody over. But um, Penn State actually made a switch at linebacker, and part of the reason they weren't as effective against Michigan, this isn't going to come back to bite them. They've moved Abdul Carter into the starter role. And they've given him more responsibility. And he's another true freshman that is playing like a, a fifth-year senior, honestly, like the running backs are. Um, Curtis Jacobs switched back to the uh, strong side linebacker position. And then Kobe King and Tyler Elsden rotate in the middle. So the linebacking core is so much better. So I'm more confident in the run defense. But I know that Utah will get theirs uh, in a sense. And that's where... Uh, Penn State can rely on single coverage on the outside. So they're going to be able to stack the box because I do like Penn State's corners against Utah's receivers, even though Joey Porter Jr. is not playing. Yeah, and I think one other thing I'll throw in there, is it is interesting because I think a lot of people look at what Tavion Thomas has just done over the course of two years at Utah and mostly last year and then, of course, the Stanford game this year, and you assume he was the best running back in this room. He really wasn't towards the end of the season. That's what's crazy is Tavion, whether it was due to injuries, off-the-field stuff, whatever the reason, yeah. Quinton Jackson, the former, yeah, who was the guy all camp long we were talking about, is he going to be the backup quarterback, converts to running back, and you could just watch some of his highlights when he was at quarterback, and you're like, man, that guy could run the football, and then he gets an opportunity to be a running back. And he has just taken off with it too. Makai Bernard is getting healthy at the right time too. So I do feel like this Utah rushing attack is at their best at the moment right now, but it is going to be fun and interesting to see because look, there is, even though these Utah running backs are good right now and Jaquindon Jackson, I think is going to have an awesome season next year. No one is yeah. playing at the level that Tavion Thomas was playing at last year going into the Rose Bowl. So that will be interesting to see how they pound it and how they get it through. Zach, I think one of the other fun things to talk about with this game is what kind of a game do you expect? We already said this isn't going to be last year's crazy game where offensive mm -hmm. records are set. I think this is going to be a very much for more back and forth game. I've heard a lot of people say it's going to be low scoring and I totally understand that. But I think this is going to be one where we're going to see both sides move the ball some. We're going to see both sides struggle from. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a really well played game by both sides where the defense makes some plays and the offense makes some plays. That's where I'm kind of thinking this that there will be a few touchdowns scored. I've heard someone already mention earlier, I had someone on my show that he said he doesn't see this one either side combining the two teams combining for 40 points. I see it going over that in this one. Mm -hmm. But as I mentioned, I do not see some 40 point game for either side just individually. No, and I, I was kind of kicking back and forth with it again. And as you dig deeper and you look more, it, you start to you you find some pieces to the puzzle that you didn't know a month ago. Uh, and with everything factored in, and just the way these two teams like to operate, um, the the number for the total is right, um, being that it's around fifty one or fifty two. Um, I originally I had twenty four to twenty, but I'm going to add another touchdown to Penn State here, and I think it's going to go thirty one to twenty. Um, okay. Penn State's ground game makes all the difference. Um, this game could be 24 to 20 by virtue of the, the clock's just going to continue to roll because these are run first teams. These are physical teams. The ball is going to try. They're not going to, both teams aren't going to put the ball in the air as much because they don't want to turn it over and give either side plus territory. It's going to try win first down, uh, try to get a second and manageable, maybe have a play over the top if it's a second and short. And then just convert your third down and have these methodical 10, 11 play drives. Um, if that wasn't the case, if it was the Penn State of old that was trying to go a little quicker, uh, had had a little, a few more receivers at their disposal. Uh, but they've just found such a niche with Singleton and Allen, even if Kevon Lee wasn't available. But everybody's back. 
everybody's healthy for Penn State. Parker Washington wasn't going to play to begin with, so they didn't have to change the game plan all that much. And Joey Porter Jr., they showed that they can play without him because he had appendicitis and missed a couple of games himself uh, and came back and played limited against Michigan State. But he wasn't a difference maker by any means. That was to get his last game in because they knew what he was doing going to the NFL draft. Um, so I feel like losing Dalton Kincaid, you, you, I know they were aware of it, but you have to scheme a little differently because he was, uh, you know, uh, all of the, of the receiving there and cam risings like bonafide favorite target. Sean Clifford was very good at distributing the football. So even though Parker Washington's not there, uh, he had second and third options that were pretty equivalent. I'm, I'm eager to see how Utah, uh, if they're going to go full Thomas Yasmin or, you know, Vele, is he 100%? Uh, is he going to be factored in? And then how does he match up? Even though he's big, even though he's six foot five, uh, Kalen King I honestly might be better than Joey Porter Jr. Uh, when he makes his way into the NFL, if you can believe that. Wow. <laughs> that is some lofty praise. And I'll say this too, with, as it relates to Devon. Devon is 6'5", but he's not someone who's been mossing guys all season. He has made okay. some contested catches, but he is not a guy that's like, oh man, just throw it up there and Devon is going to go get it. Because there's been a couple yeah. balls this year where it's like, oh, come on, Devon, you should have had that one. But it is it is nice for this Utah team, as we touched on a little bit, that Yes, for so much of the season, it was Dalton Kincaid only. It's nice that you have guys like Money Parks, Jalen Dixon coming off some of their best games, Thomas Yasmin being able to produce more too. But what makes that difficult is you're running into a very challenging Penn State defense. So I do think this is going to be a fantastic game once again for very different reasons than it was last year. Last year, I think it was just thrilling because it was nonstop fireworks this year. I think it's going to be yeah. like, this, this is just a great football game. I think it's going to be one of those games where it's like, it sucks that either side has to lose this because they played so yeah. well on both sides of the ball. I think in the end, I think Utah's going to make one play defensively that forces Sean Clifford into a turnover, whether that's Mahmoud Diabate breaking through Samote Pepa on the interior pressure that creates the turnover needed. That's going to turn the tide for Utah. And I believe the Utes are able to squeak out a win off another strong performance from Cam Rising. And I think someone in that secondary, whether it's Zamaya Vaughn, who's going to be the number one cornerback for Utah this season, the rest of this game, and then next season too. And I think he's in for a monster 2023 season. I really feel like the Utes are going to be able to pull this one out because of one or two game-changing plays in this one and that Utah is going to get a what would be a monumental first Rose Bowl win for this Utah program. And I'm going to ask you in a second what you think this win would mean for Penn State because I think for Utah, mm -hmm. they were able to get it. And I'll, I'll, I'll add my score prediction. I'll say 34-31. I think the Utes are able to squeeze it out okay. narrowly. For Utah, I think a Rose Bowl win would be astronomically amazing for where this program is. They already have a fantastic recruiting class. But when you're mm -hmm. talking about the future of college football, Whatever that looks like, saying you were back-to-back Pac-12 champs is already incredible. I think mm -hmm. saying you were also Rose Bowl champs, and like you said, the last kind of true Rose Bowl is not even, maybe not the cherry on top, but let's just say like the extra layer of a wedding cake or something like that. It's just something that's massive. And I feel like it's something this Utah team could really use as they are still trying to gain some of that national respect. The people and the media members who really know the sport, they give Utah the respect they deserve. But I think there's a lot of people who are going to be deciding the future of college football that still don't respect the Pac-12 as a brand, and they still don't have respect for some of its members. And I think yeah. a win in the Rose Bowl against a Big Ten powerhouse in Penn State would be huge for Utah, setting themselves up for the future of college football, especially because we still don't know if Cam Rising coming back, and we know how good the Pac-12 quarterbacks are going to be next year. So it might be tough for Utah to put themselves in position a year from now to be in a position to win another Rose Bowl. So I feel like a win in this Rose Bowl would be absolutely monumental to the future of the Utah football program. How do you feel like a Rose Bowl win would kind of launch Penn State into whatever the future of college football is? 
Yeah, the the next step for Penn State, kind of like Utah, is it's more than just well, they're they're a contender to make one of the last spots in the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. It, it is to it's to win the Big Ten. It's to be in the the top four and be one of those teams that has home field advantage or even has the bye uh, going into a college football playoff. So uh, a win here, especially since Penn State is one and three in the Rose Bowl and they've been embarrassed. Uh, once by USC back in the uh, 08, 09, uh, and then by Mark Sanchez um, <laughs> of all quarterbacks. <laughs> um, and, and then on top of that, um, just losing the way they did the last time they were there against USC by three to Sam Darnold, and that was a great game, but yeah. you gave up 51 points. <laughs> um, and I, I know that was a good team with Juju Smith-Schuster and Ronald Jones at the time, but um, you, you had that game in the bag and you blew the lead. So. This for them, it, it, it's personal, uh, and it's also personal from the fact that there there are more people that doubt this Penn State team, saying that well they don't belong because they beat up on Indiana, Rutgers, whatever. That's just the schedule. I, I don't know what to tell you about that. Um, but then this is also setting the table for next year because I believe they're a national title contender. I think Drew Aller is that good. They will get the reinforcements in the transfer portal that they need, uh, convince some people that do need to return to come back to build this complete roster. But all those freshmen are just going to get older. They're going to get better. Uh, so that's what this means for Penn State. Uh, the personal by you know putting those uh, those doubters to bed, saying that you know that's just a bunch of talk. You were wrong, proving them wrong. And then saying in 2023, you better expect us as a top five team. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely correct because I look at it and view the situation like and we know how talented the freshmen are. But when you look at being one of the five best teams, as you mentioned, like didn't win the conference this year, all those things are fair. But then if you win a Rose Bowl and you show and those younger players ball out as they have done, continue to do all season, I think that's what would get more people on board with the chances at Penn State being a national contender lap next season. And they have a great opportunity to do it. The Utes have a great opportunity. It's been so much fun talking about this game for the past couple of weeks. Yeah. And now we get to see how it all plays out come Monday. So, Zach, it was great talking to you. Appreciate you coming on for this one. Appreciate all of you Locked On Utes listeners who have joined us for this Locked On crossover, too. Also, if you guys are in the market for a second listen every day, we recommend you check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. It's the biggest stories in sports, the biggest games, the biggest recaps. Something gives me a feeling not long from now they're going to be talking about a Rose Bowl, however it plays out. So make sure you guys head over to Locked On Sports Today and check out all of that great stuff. We want to thank you guys once again for making Locked On Utes and Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen every single day. Have a great week. Weekend.